I want to highlight to us again the verse that was read to us uh, earlier, Matthew, uh, third chapter, that verse 8. John the Baptist is speaking to him and says, Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turn to God. Another translation says that prove by having what? Fruit of repentance. Let's pause for word of prayer. Father, Lord, we ask right now, Lord, truly for your word to come forth and minister to us. Lord, I pray, Lord, let it be all of you and none of me. Speak for your servants are listening. Amen. Choose repentance. To choose repentance means to choose to have a mind state or a heart change to no longer live one way, but to live another way. Looking at this test, you look at the fourth chapter, they came to see a man that was not very well dressed. Y'all quiet on me. Oftentimes when someone goes to a concert, they go to the event, they expect the person they're going to see to be dressed up. Think about how you, they get dressed up. Oftentimes many of them get sponsorships so people go out and buy their clothes that they're wearing on stage. But it says John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair. Coarse. Anybody wear something coarse close to your skin? It's not silky smooth. It's rough. It scratches. And he's wearing coarse camel hair And he wore a leather belt around his waist, and his food of choice was locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. What this means is this, that they did not come to see him. They came to hear him. So what was he talking about? He must have been talking about something good. Uh, it must have been something exciting. He was telling them, hey, I, 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 bet, I bet you if you came there, you would be shocked that he wasn't speaking, which you oftentimes might see on TV. But yet his message to them was repent. John was bringing people out, and when they came, they confessed their sins, and he baptized them. In the Jordan River. The thing that is, 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 is amazing to us to grab here is that you saw where they came. They came from all around. They came from all around. Again, why, why is repentance hard to hear? Because we don't want to hear how you're wrong and you need to, be, to live to turn to be right. But these people who know they're wrong were coming out knowing they were wrong, desperate to hear, how can I be Right. Even more so that Pharisees and Sadducees try to sneak into the crowd that came out there. And John looked at them and says, you brood of vipers. That's some harsh word. He looked at them and says, who warned you of the wrath of God that you've come? Some of us need to catch this and think about it that it may not apply to us, but might apply to somebody, you know, that the only reason why they show up to church is they're trying to escape the wrath of God. If I have perfect attendance on Sunday, if I come to Bible study, if I do this, if I do that, I will escape the wrath of God. 
The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were not thinking that. They were thinking, I'm going to escape the wrath of God because we are sons of Abraham. We have an ethnic heritage. We have a right and a privilege that no one else has. So we are all good. Some of us may not think that if I have perfect attendance, but we'll just say I'm a Christian. So therefore, I am all good. You'll let everybody know I am a member of such and such church. I, I serve on this board. This is my title. This is what I do. I am all good. But John highlights to them, that's good what you're saying, but that does not make you good. He gets into them. Oh, he got into them deep. He said, God can raise up children of Abraham out of these rocks. You're not that bad. God, if he wanted to, can raise them out of these rocks. If you understand, as the Pharisees and Sadducees understood, that the history was that God got mad at the children, and he told, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, he told Moses, I'll start over with you. He said, I'm going to wipe all of them out because they all messing up. So I'm going to start over with you, Moses. Moses were asked on God and plead for his mercy. Lord, have mercy on them. They, they stiff-necked. They're hard. You know them. They just, they're not good. But have mercy on them. And Lord did so. But God was going to start over with Moses. You understand, John, as John understood that it does not matter who you think you are. God is in control. And so just thinking if I can just sneak by, I can skate by, I can slide by doing what I want to do, do it how I want to do it, and thinking long as I call out Christ or I say the name of Jesus, I'm all good. That's not true. He says that you, if you are who you say you are, there should be some fruit, there should be some evidence of some repentance in your life. So just trying to come to God and flee his wrath does not mean anything. Just because you are a member of an organization or you can claim ethnic heritage, that doesn't mean anything. Going back into James, when we study James, he says, faith without works is dead. You show me your faith by your words. I show you my faith by my deeds that we need to make sure that when we confess Christ it's evident in our life choose repentance so God is showing us that in this text that if he can raise up stones out of the Abra uh, uh, of children of, uh, uh, out of the stones children of Abraham he's pointing out to them that you are being judged look what it says there and do not suppose that you can say yourselves we have Abraham for our father, for I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. This axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. This makes it clear to John is pointing out to them that you are already being judged for your works. You think you're going to escape God's wrath, but you're already being judged for your words. I, I, I want someone to understand this morning, if you have not understood before, that you will be judged for your words. Uh, your deeds that you're doing now, as you confess Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you will be rewarded for those. But yet, if your deeds do not line up with what you're saying, that will catch up with you too. Y'all quiet on me. Look how he is pointing out to them that the axe is already at the root. 
meaning that it's ready to cut you down. It is already decided that I'm cutting this tree down. Think about it. A lumberjack does not put his axe towards a tree. He's not going to cut down. He puts it at the tree he's going to cut down. Says the axe is already there. You need to show some fruit of repentance. Repentance is a change of life. To change your heart. To turn from one's sins. And to turn towards God. To change one's ways. To give up the old man. And live a new life. That's why we get excited that he is in Christ. As a new creation. Behold all things pass away. Behold all things what? Become new. We want to kill the old man and put on the newness of Christ. That's why we talk about being born again, regeneration, things of newness coming upon us that we get rid of this old self, this old wretched man that we are. In the Synoptic Gospels, it points out to us in Luke that how when the, not only were the Pharisees and the Sadducees that came out and John blasted them out, pointed them out, you brood of vipers, we see why you came. Why did you come? You're not really believing in what I am proclaiming. But there are a group here. If you look in Luke's third chapter, you find out that many came out that were of a bad reputation and they were desperate to say, John, I understand what you're saying and I want my life to change and what will what will be the reflection what will be the evidence what will be the proof that my life is changing Luke 3rd chapter verses 9 through 14 points out to us that when the crowds were coming to him there are some who answered to them said then that he would answer them of what shall they do he said to this to them the man who has two tunics is to share with him who has none and he who has food is to do likewise so that 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 rest of their hearts. Okay, I got two. There's one that has none. I ought to give him one. Okay, I have food. He has none. I ought to give him some. Then 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 the rest of something say, well, I already do that. Maybe that's not my issue. So some tax collectors came in to be baptized, and they said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? He said, oh, Good. I'm glad you asked that. And he said to them, Collect no more than what you have been ordered to. Stop being a cheat. Stop being a lie. Be honest. Mm. Some soldiers were questioning him, saying, all right, all right, that's good for the tax collectors, good for the crowd with the tunics. What, what about us? What shall we do? And he said to them, don't take money from anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely and be content with your wages. What does this mean to us, sir? Think about your circumstance. Think about your life. What will show that you have given your life over to Christ and when someone sees you? The tax collectors were known. They were known. They were known to take more than what they should have. So will you be known to be as the rest or will you be known to be different? The soldiers were known for extortion and being rude and being mean to the children of Israel. Will you be known to be a generous one or will you know to be just like the rest? You see, look at your life. Look at how you're living now. When people see you, do they see a difference or they see the same old, same old? To choose a life of repentance means that I no longer live this old life or living a new life. That my life has been changed and turned over to Christ. That I've been crying out. And look what happened here. They came into the wilderness. They came into the desert. They came into a desolate place desperate for change. 
Many people go to a resorts, go on some cruises, say, I need to get a break and want to go to some lavish place. They went to where there was death. They went to a place that nobody really wants to live out in the wilderness. And that's where their chains came. Grasp, grasp how the wilderness is used within our Bible in so many different ways as a place of trial, as a place of preparation. Before they could get into the, into the promised land, they had to stay in the wilderness. Before Moses could be the leader, he had to spend time in the wilderness. Before David became king, he had to go hide in the wilderness. Before Jesus began his ministry, he was propelled by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And so we see these people are desperate for change, desperate to hear how their life is not right. And they wanted to hear, how can I get it right? They were choosing repentance. So the question is to us, will I go to a place that's going to let me know how I'm not living right? Will I listen to somebody tell me that I'm not right? Or will I I tell them how they're not right? Will I tell them that, no, you're wrong? Well, I tell them, no, I got myself together. You need to get yourself together. It's so easy for us to judge other people and not listen to the criticism that should be coming to our way. But yet you see this crowds were coming desperate saying, I realize I don't have it right. I realize I'm not living right and I want to get it right. And John is saying, this is how you do it. Think about how. He is coming and preparing our way. Now, John, John is, is, is preparing the way for the one to come. John, again, if you look in, in the prophet in the Old Testament, many times the prophets come in, 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 a, in a good way to prepare the people for what's coming next. And oftentimes what was coming next was the wrath of God. <laughs> the, the prophet would come, but that's why when Samuel went to go anoint David as king, they were scared. They say, oh, here come the prophet. <laughs> What's going on? What did we do wrong? He says, relax. Uh, this is a good time of worship. Come and bring everything. Come and worship with me. Because they understood when the prophet came, judgment was not too far behind. And so here comes John proclaiming, letting people know that the wrath of God is coming. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That means it's time now for you to get ready. Stop playing around and get ready. And he's preparing the way. And in him preparing the way, look what he's doing. He's preparing people's hearts to receive Christ. You cannot receive Christ with a hardened heart. You must soften your heart. The, the word tells us that no longer will I go by the old covenant, but a new covenant I will make. And this new covenant is not going to be hinged in stones, but hinged in the flesh or heart of my people. If your heart is hardened, how can God write on a soft, fleshy heart? But if your heart is subtle and open to him, then you're open to receive his instructions. You're open to receive his word. You're open to receive his direction and understand that no longer am I living for myself, but I'm living for the king. You see, John is preparing their hearts. He was giving them even a sacrament of baptism for the forgiveness of sins to understand the change of their lives so they can prepare themselves when Christ gets on the scene that they're not worried about an axe at their, at their roots ready to cut them down, but they're ready to be welcomed into the kingdom of God. Do you see that in the text? That when he says that the wicked are like the shaft. 
that he is Jesus is coming. He, he, before he gets into Jesus, he says that I am not even worthy to, ha- to handle and carry his sandals. This is, this, is, this is very arresting because a disciple would not carry his master's sandal and a slave would. A disciple would not carry his master's sandals, but a slave would. John the Baptist says, I am not even worthy to be his slave. He humbled himself in such a way that I am preparing the way. I've been called to a great task, but yet I see myself not even worthy enough to carry his sandals as a slave would. He understood that the calling that's on me, y'all looking for him, I'm not him. I'm not even close to him. I can't even get close to him enough to carry his sandals because I am not worthy. Even John, in proclaiming this truth, was showing them how we must humble ourselves in the presence of God. But if we don't humble ourselves, this is what happens. Oftentimes we will tell somebody how great we are. And who we are. Look what the Sadducees, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, let them know. Why do I need to repent? We are the children of Israel. Abraham's our father. We bad. We run this joint. Y'all don't run anything. The axe is at your roots, ready to cut you down. You are like the shepherds. When Christ comes, he's going to separate you as with like a winnowing fork. A winnowing fork is as you might see when people have those, those fans or those forks and they host up the weed up in the air and they do it at night when the wind is coming off the sea. And so when the shaft will blow away, what was worth will fall back down. The shaft will blow away, but what is worthy will fall Back down. This was nothing new to them. In Psalms, the first chapter of Psalm, the first number of Psalm, it says that uh, not so the wicked, for they are like the shaft blown away, that they cannot stand before the righteousness of God. So this is a, a common terminology metaphor to them to understand that the righteous have fruit, which is the wheat which we want, and the wicked have nothing to offer, have no fruit, and are blown away. And it says they are gathered up. They are gathered up and thrown into the unquenchable fire, which also points out judgment. So what does this mean? If I choose repentance, if I choose repentance, I'm choosing Christ. If I'm choosing Christ, I'm turning my life over to him and no longer living for myself. So therefore, I'm choosing righteousness. And when I'm choosing righteousness, I'm choosing things that are right with God, not what is right with me, but what is right with God. Because sometimes if we are honest with us, so what is right with God is not what's right with me. Definitely at the time, I'm going to hurt somebody, but it's all right. It's definitely at come times when it comes with tithes and offering. It's not right with you to give God half your money. But God says, come, give me to me. But yet, it's not right with you. So you're like, nah, God, I'm not going to give that to you. And so that's why some people are in debt. Debt, D-E-B-T, doing everything but tithe. And so we understand in this that if I'm doing what was right with God, I'll trust him more than I trust myself. What else is that? that God tells me to do that is, that is right, but may not be right with me. Someone calls you outside your name. What's right in the world is that you ought to cut them down. You ought to tell them about yourself. You ought to beat them down. Get on them. But what's right with God is that pray for them. Bless them. Love on them. But what's right in the world is that don't go out like that. How are you going to go out like that? 
But what's right with God is that you are humble, you are meek, you are gentle, you are kind, you are reflecting the great love of my son, Jesus Christ, and I see that in you. And so we go what's right with God in spite might be feeling what's right with us. Because you see it right there. Do you not see it right there in the text? When Jesus is going to come, he's going to separate us. You see the separation is coming. And he's going to separate the wheat from the shaft. Which means those who have fruit, he's going to keep. Those that has no fruit will be burned up. Look at verse 11 and chapter 3. He says, I baptize with water. Those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the shaft from the wheat with his winnowing fork. And then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the shaft with a never-ending fire. Will you show your fruit of your repentance? Because I want you to understand First Corinthians, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians 5, chapter, verse 10 says, For we must all stand before Christ to be just. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. For we all must stand before Christ. Do you understand that Christ came not to condemn the world, but to save the world? But those who have already been condemned because they have rejected the light are living in darkness and their judgment is going to come. But I'm, I'm here to share with us on this morning that you don't have to go into darkness. You don't have to suffer eternal burning and fire. But yet you can know the victory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by turning to him. Repentance means to have a change of mind. Just think about how in many times in your life you've gone down the wrong road. When you're going down the wrong road, what did you do? You turn around. You didn't keep on going knowing you're going the wrong way. You said, I need to get out of this place because this is not where I'm trying to go. So let me turn around. What about your life? Are you happy with the same issues that you've been struggling with? Over and over again. This year is the year you're going to lose weight that you said you're going to lose last year. This year is the day you're going to get out of debt that you said last year. This year you're going to be more active just like you said last year. How many times have we made the same resolution over and over again just to not complete it but to repeat it the next year? God is letting you know that you don't have to do that with me. Change your life. Turn to me. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'll give you strength to turn from this wickedness and realize that I will give you fruit that's standing with repentance. That you used to be a liar, now you tell the truth. You used to be a thief, now you steal no more. You work. You used to do anything and everything. Let's think about whatever your sin issue might have been. You changed from that and says, now I give it over to the Lord. And I want to share with you that others might come and try to judge you and bring up your past. But you can let them know that that's, that's in the fire. That's in the fire. You can go and get burned if you want, but I'm not looking back there. I'm turning to Christ. 
I'm living for him because what? He is separating the shaft from the wheat. Do you understand the enemy's trying to get us? Jesus prayed for Peter. He says the enemy is looking to shift you like wheat. That sound familiar? He says the enemy is looking to shift you like wheat, but I pray so that you will be strong. Check it out. He says that after you fall, restore yourself and repent. Restore your brother. One thing that highlights to us that Jesus came to let us know that you may fall. Mm. You may not do as well as you think you would want to do. But don't give up. Says, I'm praying for you. You understand that he's interceding on our behalf. He's the perfect mediator. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father as our great advocate and letting us know that we can confess Jesus Christ. And when we confess Jesus Christ, Jesus says, Lord, they're with me. And when, we send, when he says, Lord, they are with me, look what we do. We are safe from the wrath of God. That's why we get excited and say there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Anybody here glad that you're in Christ Jesus? Because when you're in Christ Jesus, then you are in his will. And, and when you're in his will, you're doing the things that he desires for you to do. And when you're doing things he desires for you to do, he's able to bless you with the blessings that he has for you. Because you understand that when he, when he separated the shaft, he put the wheat in the barn. I got excited when I saw that barn prosper because I started thinking about how he said he's going to put it in his house. Because he says, in my father's house, our room with many mansions. You see, he didn't just throw us out. He said, no, I'm going to put you in a place of storage. Do you understand he's coming to take us back? He's coming to come and store us so we can be forever with him. So how can I not turn away from this wickedness and turn towards his glory, to turn towards his joy, to turn towards his peace? So let us take this time and say, Lord, I choose repentance. Lord, I choose you. Lord, I choose to let go of my past and hold on to you. Lord, I choose to no longer live to gratify this wicked, sinful flesh, but I choose to satisfy your spirit that is within me. Let us pray. Father, Lord, we